Well, hello and welcome to Chase Oaks and welcome to this new series that we're starting today called Songs of Summer uh, that we've been looking forward to for a long time, planning for it for a long time. It's on this incredible book in the Old Testament called Psalms. Uh, you've probably, if you've ever opened a Bible, you've probably opened there because it's the biggest book in the Bible. It's also kind of right in the middle. And and, and, and Psalms are so helpful because they're, they form kind of a guide to help us to get through whatever we're going through in life. And, and originally when we planned this series, we were going to do a party theme, songs of summer, and, and have a lot of fun with beach party songs or pool party songs, kind of songs of summer kind of stuff. And uh, I was going to maybe wear shorts and flip-flops, a Hawaiian shirt, kind of hang loose, you know, and, and, and that would have been cool. Um, but now that's all pretty inappropriate because we're, not, we're just not in party mode uh, right now as a culture. Uh, we're in crisis mode. We're in a critical moment. Right. I believe God's going to use it. I don't think it's uh, in the end a bad thing. I think there's change in the air, but it's not party time. Uh, it's a time where we really need to look to the Bible as a guide to help us get through what we're going through right now as a culture. And that's what we're going to do is we're in this moment where the, the pain of racism and the indignities and injustices that it causes have surfaced. And, and how do we navigate and and. I believe what we're going to look at today is, is a really helpful guide to get to healing uh, and to get to action. Because one of the things that's really cool about the book of Psalms is uh, they're so varied. Uh, there's 150 of these Psalms that come out of whoever wrote the book of Psalms. These are very heartfelt prayers that were turned to music that were used as worship songs. We sang worship songs earlier. These were used in the temple uh, in the Old Testament period. But they're very authentic and they're very raw. And and because they come right out of different people's experiences, a variety of experiences, it's a really helpful book as a guide. Whenever you're going through something either difficult or you're celebrating something, if you Psalms is a great place to go um, almost any time when you're looking for a guide to say, man, how do I even think about this, how to respond to this? Um, And. Today, we're going to be looking at a certain kind of psalm that is one that is going to sound very strange to us. Uh, Because, again, psalms are worship songs. Like these were songs that people sang back in the Old Testament era for hundreds and hundreds of years. And they're very powerful. um, But some of them feel really strange or are going to sound really strange to us in modern worship because they just don't seem worshipful at all. Um, in fact, the kind of psalm we're looking at today is called a lament. And a, a lament, right, is where you're pouring out your heart to God, your, your feeling of anger or hurt or desperation, uh, disillusionment, even with God. And we don't do laments. Like in, in, in our worship and American worship, All of our songs are kind of, you know, God's going to give us the victory and it's all going to be great and God is incredible and life is incredible. And, you know, and and those are good. There's plenty of examples of those in the Psalms. But there's also this other category that we just kind of don't have. And that's lament. In fact, lament Psalms, there are 42 of them out of the 150 Psalms, 42 are lament. And we would look at those and think, well, you can't put that in a worship 
service because it doesn't feel very worshipful. And what that tells me is since God is the one who ultimately chose these 150 songs to say, hey, that's worshipful. Love it. You know, that that pleases me. That's awesome that there's there's a disconnect between what we feel, what we think is worshipful and what God thinks is worshipful. Lament is in the menu. I mean, about one third of the songs in the old in this Old Testament book are lament songs, because what we're going to see today is lament is is a very important part of our journey with God, a very important part of our Christian journey. And in fact, in, in what we're going through right now as a culture, if you and I as a culture and as a church and as individuals, if we don't allow ourselves to sink into lament, then whatever learning, whatever change, whatever way we're going to do life differently, do relationships differently, is never is not going to be very deep. If we don't allow ourselves to sit and lament as part of the process. Um, now, some of you are, are pretty good at that. Uh, you're kind of like Eeyore, you know, in the characters of Winnie the Pooh and, and you're, you know, more, a little more melancholy. And so uh, being a, a person of lament may be not so difficult. Uh, if you know me very well, you know, I am not good at that. Uh, it's actually a problem. Um, it doesn't seem like a problem, but it, it, it is a, a problem that I have a hard time just feeling sad and allowing myself to, to go there and, and sit in disappointment. Um, I remember years ago uh, getting help from a counselor uh, back when I was in graduate school just to learn how to be sad. And, and for some of you think, you know, that's kind of, you know, really, that's hard to do. And it is hard for me to do that. In fact, I remember in, in one of those times talking with him, he's getting me to talk about these hard things that I've been through. And he's like, why are you smiling? Like, this is not something to smile about. And I said, well, you know, I'm sorry, it's kind of why I'm here. And I should have kept going uh, to that guy, um, but he's kind of a downer. So I stopped. And, um, and so I've still got some learning to do just to allow myself to, to feel sad. I had to do that as a parent, just to allow my kids to feel disappointed because it's easy for me if they didn't get picked for a team or something, just to look at the bright side. We're going to get a better team and it's going to be awesome or whatever, rather than just say, you know what, this is sad. And it's okay to be disappointed. It's okay to feel what we're feeling. And I had to learn that, how to do that as a parent. It's really important how to do that in, in all of life. And lament is not the destination, as we're going to see, but it's an important part of the journey to get us to the destination. And if you and I don't lament and we don't learn how to do this, then we're never really going to get to the destination in any kind of significant way. So today we're going to be in a lament psalm. We're going to learn how to do this. And as a guide to even help us go through what we're going through right now, whatever you're going through individually or certainly as a culture. And the psalm that we're focused on today is Psalm 88, which is a very unique lament psalm of the 42 lament psalms. Because of the 42 lament psalms, 40 of them have, the, have a very similar pattern to them. So they go something like this. They start out dark, they get darker, and then it turns to hope. So the psalmist all of a sudden thinks about God's character and is encouraged. Or the circumstances haven't changed, but he thinks about God's character and realizes, oh, okay, and he looks above the circumstances and it gets to hope. Or he thinks about a promise of God or the, how God's worked in the past. And, and so it kind of goes like this. The typical lament pattern is dark, darker, and then hope at the end. Two of the 42 lament psalms, Psalm 88 and Psalm 39, we're in Psalm 88 today, 
don't do that at all. Um, they never get hopeful. They never get out of it. They are just dark. So they go dark, really dark, and then even darker, and it's over. And, and we read that. I'm about to read the whole psalm because it's not that long, this whole worship song. And we think, wow, that's not very hopeful. That's not very worshipful because it's just dark. But it teaches us how to lament. And so I'm going to read the song and and just think about this as a worship song, because it it makes it would make for a very different worship song if we started singing this um, Psalm 88, uh, one to 18. Lord, you are the God who saves me day and night. I cry out to you. May my prayer come before you. Turn your ear to my cry. I am overwhelmed with troubles and my life draws near to death. I'm counted among those who go down to the pit. I'm like one without strength. I'm set apart with the dead, like the slain who lie in the grave, whom you remember no more, who are cut off from your care. You have put me in the lowest pit in the darkest depths. Your wrath lies heavily on me. You've overwhelmed me with all your waves. You've taken from me my closest friends and have made me repulsive to them. I am confined and cannot escape. My eyes are dim with grief. I call to you, Lord, every day. I spread out my hands to you. Do you show your wonders to the dead? Do their spirits rise up and praise you? Is your love declared in the grave, your faithfulness and destruction? Are your wonders known in the place of darkness or your righteous deeds in the land of oblivion? He's saying, God, would you just rather me be dead? Would you pay attention to me then? But I cry to you for help, Lord. In the morning, my prayer comes before you. Why, Lord, do you reject me and hide your face from me? From my youth, I have suffered and been close to death. I've borne your terrors and am in despair. Your wrath has swept over me. Your terrors have destroyed me. All day long, they surround me like a flood. They have completely engulfed me. You have taken from me my friend and neighbor. Darkness is my closest friend. That's the worship song. It doesn't feel very worshipful to us. Uh, probably you'd hear this worship song and think, wow, that's a downer. But God would look at it and say, I mean, he put it in the book. He said, yeah, that's a worship song. I like that one. Uh, it just it feels so different for us, this lament. But darkness is my closest friend. If you're going to pick one word to describe the psalm, it would be darkness. That would be the theme word. It's used multiple times. And he's in this dark period and he just comes at it very authentically. He says, God, you put me in the lowest pit, the darkest depths. Can you relate to that? Have you have you been through a period of time that you would call the lowest pit, the darkest depths? Maybe you're in that right now because of all that we're going through and you're just feeling it. Or certainly if you've lived long enough, you've gone through times that you would say, man, yeah, it just felt so dark and so hopeless. And there, I, I, I just couldn't see a way out of it. I thought it would always be this way. I know for me, uh, one of those times I've talked about over the years, a time of clinical depression that went on for months. And I thought that was just my new normal. I would always feel like that. It felt like a pit. What I learned is it was actually a tunnel, just a long one, long enough that I couldn't see light on the other side of it. But God had a way through. And I believe God always has a way through. But when we're in the middle of that tunnel and we can't see the light at the end, it feels like a pit. It feels like there's no way out. 
And that's a tough and hopeless place to be. And what do you do when you find yourself there like this psalmist did? Well, it's really helpful because we have this psalm to serve as a guide when we're in one of those dark times, one of those dark moments, even what we're going through right now as a culture. What do you do? And what you do is what he did. You lament. And lament is coming at at God in our pain, in our trial, in our difficulty, in our disillusionment, and we pour it out to him authentically. In fact, as we think about lament uh, in this in the dark times that we go through, even though we look at this and think, wow, this doesn't seem very worshipful to God. It is worshipful. It's why he put it in the book. And there's two things that we're going to see that are qualities of lament that we can learn from from this psalm that God says, man, that honors me and I'll honor that. And it's authenticity and faith. And the first one is authenticity. So the psalmist, as he goes through, it's almost it's really kind of uncomfortable if you really read it and listen to it, because it doesn't feel not only does it not feel worshipful, it feels disrespectful to God. And it kind of is. I mean, he comes at God with sarcasm when he says, God, you just would you just rather me be dead? Do you are you honored by from the grave? Is that better for you? Is that what you want? Is that really what you're doing here? He's not only sarcastic, um, he also is accusatory. He's basically coming at God with accusations, saying, God, you're the one who caused this and you don't care. I mean, just let me read just some of the phrases. He says, um, I have borne your terrors and am in despair. Your wrath has swept over me. Your terrors have destroyed me. You have put me in the lowest pit. You have put me in the darkest depths. Meaning, God, you're the one that's making this happen in my life. You're the one destroying my life. He also is charging God with not caring. He says, why, Lord, do you reject me and hide your face from me? He's saying you're making this happen. It's your fault and you don't care. Now, both of those things are not true. He's lost all perspective. But it's where he's honestly coming from and he pours it out to God. Because the things that you and I go through in this dark and broken and fallen world, even what we're going through right now as a culture, this is not it's not God's fault. God is not the one who caused it. He didn't want the world to be this way. He didn't want us to go through what we go through. I mean, that's the big story of the Bible is that, you know, God created us human beings to be in the Garden of Eden, to be in perfection, to be in a place where there's no suffering, there's no disease, there's no sickness, there's no death, there's no racism, there's no injustice, there's there's none of that. He, he made us to be to live in a perfect world. That's what we're created for. But when mankind, we when we chose sin and rebelled against God, sin enters into the world along with darkness and death and all that we experience. God didn't make that happen. We did. But because we're made for perfection, it still throws us for a loop every time we encounter the darkness, every time we encounter all that we go through. And God could have just left it like that, but he didn't. In his grace, he intervened. Jesus took on humanity, became a human being to live among us, to begin his redemptive work. One day Jesus will return. He'll make the world perfect again. There'll be no more death, disease, despair. There'll be no more racism. There'll be no more injustice. There'll be no more indignity. And not only did he not only will he do that, but because he wanted to help us in the meantime, 
the reason Jesus hung out on this planet as long as he did, Hebrews tells us, is because he cared so much that he wanted to know what it's like to suffer. God wanted to know what it was like to suffer like you and I suffer. And Hebrews says, therefore, he can be a sympathetic high priest. And when we come to him, he knows what it's like to face pain and suffering and indignity, even murder against himself. And so that when we come, when we come to him, he knows what it's like to be us. He knows what it's like to suffer. So does he care? Yeah. Did he cause all this? No. But from this guy's perspective, he's lost it. And God seems to be okay with that. I mean, you look at this and you think, how could God not be offended? I mean, why wouldn't God just send a lightning bolt and go, whap, end his life? But not only does God not do that, he says, hey, you know what? This is a great song. Let's put it in the Bible. Let's sing it in the temple. Let's make this a worship song. Kind of crazy, isn't it? But what does that tell us? It tells us that what God wants from us in our worship and our relationship with him is authenticity. He doesn't want fake. For, for us to come in worship and, and prayer to God, it's not denying reality and acting like reality isn't real and acting like we're not feeling what we're feeling and just putting on a plastic face and saying, I'm happy, happy, happy all the time. That, that does not honor God. He knows what's in our heart. He wants us to come in our hurt, in our disillusionment, in our pain, in our anger, whatever it is, and come before God authentically. And he can handle it when we lose perspective. What he can't handle is fake. He knows we're going to lose perspective. In fact, in another Psalm, Psalm 103 says the Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him, for he knows how weak we are. He remembers we're only dust. He knows we're going to lose perspective. I mean, how could we keep perspective? We don't have the big picture like he does. And as a loving father, he's okay with that. Again, he's just not okay with fake. And so, therefore, when we're going through what we're going through, he invites us to come authentically to him and honors him. The next part of lament that honors him is faith, authenticity and faith. And it's probably not faith the way we might think of faith. A lot of times we think of faith as, well, I'm going to push aside my feelings and I'm going to I'm going to trust God. And I'm going to. And again, that's not genuine faith. Uh, the, the kind of faith that honors God is one that's authentic, but we come to God in our authenticity to say, God, it's not OK. And I trust you that it's OK not to be OK. And I'm going to come with you and my not OK ness and my disillusionment. But I am going to come to you and I'm going to keep coming to you and I'm going to keep coming to you and I'm going to keep coming to you. And that God would say is great faith that honors him and that he will honor. I mean, this guy just keeps coming at God. I mean, the, the evidence of his of his faith is prayer. It's not pretty. But he just keeps praying night and day, he says day and night. Every morning I come to you constantly all the time. I'm coming to you, even though he's hurting, even though he's disillusioned, even though he's angry at God. What does he do? He keeps coming. He keeps praying. He stays in the game. And it's that kind of faith, that kind of prayer that honors God. So what does all this mean? 
right, when we go through what we're going through? Well, it means we lament. That, that we come to God authentically and we come and the very fact that we are praying is an act of courageous faith when life is so disillusioning and we've lost perspective and lost the big picture and we don't know what to do. Well, what do we do? We come to God and we lament. Lament is not the destination. Um, it, it, the design isn't that we stay. We spend our whole lives in lament. And the guy who wrote this psalm didn't do that. His name is He-Man. You may think of the cartoon from back in the day. It's literally He-Man, H-E-M-A-N, who wrote this psalm. We actually know about him because he's talked about in the Bible. He was the big worship leader of his day in a really big time in Israel's history. He was the big worship leader under David, King David, and Solomon when the temple was built. He was the guy, like he would have worn skinny jeans and you know today and uh, been one of those worship leaders that has cool tennis shoes and we'd buy his, you know, you'd, you'd put him on Spotify and everybody'd be like, wow, that's amazing, incredible worship leader. And he he led all kinds of songs, songs of joy and celebration and all that, but that's just not where he's at right now. Because lament is, is part of it. Uh, lament is, is part of the journey. Again, you don't get stuck there. He didn't get stuck there, but he allowed himself to go there because Even though lament isn't the destination, if you and I don't learn to lament, if we don't allow ourselves to lament, we can't really actually get to the destination that God wants for us of genuine hope and genuine faith and genuine healing. If we don't allow ourselves to sink into the depths, then we won't have a very deep outcome. Now, what does that mean for us right now as we're going through what we're going through in our culture? As uh, in this moment... Uh, the racism that is baked into our culture and that is underneath, kind of flows underneath this culture, is now kind of popped out to the surface. Uh, and and it's in, in people, all of us are, are seeing it in such a raw way. And uh, it, it's a cultural moment that's a very unique moment. It's a, it is a time of lament. It's a time of difficulty. And how does this guide us? Well, we need to go there. We need to lament. We need to feel the pain of racism and the indignities that it causes and the injustice that it causes. We need to allow ourselves to sink into the depths of that. Otherwise, whatever change comes out in our hearts or in the world won't be very deep. And for those of you who are people of color right now, my guess is lament is not very hard to do. Yeah, you're you're feeling it. I mean, uh, And I know you're just tired and you're exhausted because this has been going on forever. I mean, 400 years in our culture against people of culture. As racism has just kind of continued on and on and on. And yet, okay, it's bubbled up with the deaths of Ahmaud Arbery and Breonna Taylor and George Floyd. And but it's not I mean, that's lamentable by itself. But it's just that's that's just part of a long history. And I would just say to you, um, Man, what you're feeling, God gets. And and it's okay to be angry and it's okay to be disillusioned. It's okay to even be mad at God and and wonder and, and be even skeptical, is this ever gonna change? Is anything really gonna happen? And 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 be honest with that and, and allow yourself to, to lament. And it's part of the journey. Um, for those of us who are not people of color. For those of us who are white, what does this mean for us? Well, it means this is a time of lament. And if you and I as white Christians are not lamenting right now, 
That's a problem. I mean, what that means for you and me as Jesus people, if we're not lamenting right now, is that we're not listening. Because if we're listening, we would lament. And people who are God, who are godly people, people who are Jesus people, when those who are hurting are crying out, godly people listen. And this is a time of listening. This is a time of learning. This is a time of lament. This is a time to, to sink into it and, and, to, and to understand what people are, not only what other people are going through, but also lament what's in our own souls. And as we think about racism in our culture, you may be thinking, well, isn't it a lot better and all that? Let me, let me just go through a few statistics, right? To people of color, this is not going to be hard, but for, I, I just want to make sure we're really clear that, that we're, we're not where we need to be. It's very different to be white in America and to be black in America, even to this day. Here's a few stats, and these are just facts. And what is lamentable also is I have to wear reading glasses, so here we go. Black students in our schools make up only 15% of enrollment, but they make up 30 to 40% of students that get suspended or expelled. An independent study found this was not because of worse behavior issues. Black Americans and white Americans use drugs like marijuana at similar rates, but black Americans are six times more likely to be arrested for it. Black Americans are more likely than white Americans to be arrested. Once arrested, they're more likely to be convicted. And once convicted, they're more likely to experience lengthy prison sentences for the same crime. On average, black men in the U.S. receive sentences that are 19.1% longer than those of white men convicted for the very same crime. With routine traffic stops, black and Hispanic drivers much more likely to be pulled over. And if they are, three times more likely to be searched than white people and twice as likely to be arrested when something is found. One study found that job resumes with traditionally white-sounding names receive 50% more callbacks than those with traditionally black names. From 2013 to 2017, white patients in the U.S. received better quality health care than about 34% of Hispanic patients, 40% of black patients, and 40% of Native American patients. I could keep going. But another way to... To understand this is just talk to somebody, talk to a person of color, have an uncomfortable conversation. And I know that, you know, I'm asked asks a lot of those of you who are people of color to say, man, I have to talk to every white person who comes and wants to know what it's like to be me in America. And I know that's that's hard, too. But as you have friends who are people of color, just ask them that question. Just say, what is it like to be you in our church? What's it like to be you in our neighborhood? What's it like to be you in in our community? And everybody has a story. I mean, I just heard a U.S. senator yesterday who's a person of color explain, even at his position, right, explain all the, the, all the things right, in tears, just telling his story. And that's a powerful thing to do because everybody has a story. And once we begin to do that, once we begin to listen and, and learn, it'll take you to lament. And not only lament of what's happening in culture, but if we're really open to God, lament about what happens in our own heart. Because if there's racism in our own heart that God can root out, we can lament and, and move. And, and if, even if it's not all, all out racism, if we are complacent, if we're silent, 
when other people are being when other people are hurting, when other people face indignity, when other people face injustice, that's a problem. That's a sin issue, too. And the Bible says that sorrow leads to repentance. Another way to say that is lament leads to repentance. If you and I don't really feel sorrowful, we won't really change. Well, that's true in any kind of sin, any kind of relationship. If you and I can't feel the weight of sin and the weight of what it does to other people, then we won't really change. It'll just be a surface change. And so for people like me, maybe people like you to be open to say, God, if there's like the day, like David said in another psalm, God, if whatever wicked ways in me, Lord, I, I want you to bring it out so that we can lament and we can see it. So wherever we're coming from on this, uh, I, I want us to have a little period of lament. I want us to go before God and we're going to pray and I'm not going to pray for you because I don't know what's in your heart. I don't know what you're going through. Uh, prayer is just talking with God in your own words. He invites you as your heavenly father to just come to him authentically. And we're going to have a little prayer of lament. And then there's a little bit more sermon to go as we look at, well, what happens after lament? Because, again, lament is not the destination, but it's part of the journey. And think, okay, how do we move on from there? Like, what do we begin to do in this time? Like, what do we do? We'll get there. But for now, it's time to lament. So I invite you right where you are, at your house or wherever you are, just to bow before God. And I, I want you to, to just say, God, I want you to help me feel what I need to feel right now. And for some of you, that may be anger. For some of you, that may be disillusionment. For some of you, that may be sorrow. For some of you, that may be conviction of sin, of complacency, of not listening. It could be pride. I don't know. But just ask God right now, God, what do I need to lament and listen? God, we come to you now in a tough time where so much is lamentable. And help us to not skip this part of the journey. God, I pray that you would help us lament the pain of racism with all the indignities that it brings. I pray that you would help us lament anything else we're going through right now that is so dark. I pray that you'd help us lament any darkness in our own soul as well. And I thank you. You invite us to come authentically. And you invite us to come, period, to keep praying, to keep pursuing you, even when you don't make sense to us. Father, thank you for being honored by authentic, authentic lament. In Jesus' name, amen. So, again, lament is not the destination, but it's a really important part of the journey. 
And then kind of where do you go? I mean, once as you lament, like what, what does it begin to look like to begin to move forward? And even in, in, even in what we're going through right now as a culture with the racism that's there, it's like, well, what do I do? Like, what do I do? I mean, I, it's a big problem. Like, what can I do? And, well, God, there's actually a lot we can do. And I, was, I had a conversation with Ryan Leak, you know, our teaching pastor, um, last week. Uh, he called, and it was so cool. He just said, man, how are you doing? You know, and I said, man, you're asking how I'm doing, you know, as a person of color. Asking. And so we just have his toss, man, how are you doing? We have this great conversation. It was so helpful that um, I thought, man, you know, would you be willing to just do an interview with me and, and just help us as a church know how we can, how we can just move forward? Like, what, what is it? What are some things that we can do uh, to, to move forward in a healthy way? And, uh, and so we had that conversation, and let's watch that now. Well, Ryan, thanks so much for, yeah. you know, for one, being on our teaching team, Absolutely. being on the team. You're so amazing. And I know if, if everybody out there was in the crowd, they go, eh, you know, to appreciate, I appreciate you. And I, they're probably doing that from their house. Yeah. But, um, but as you know, we've been talking about lament and the importance of that right. in this moment and which leads to change, leads to deeper change, part right. of the process. But, but it's not the end of the process. And, and yeah. so it's a, I know it's, it's not all completely clear how to move forward sure. in, in this time, but, um, but we had a great conversation. It was so helpful. And so I, I wanted us to have this conversation for the church. And that is just, man, how do we, um, how do we move forward as yeah. individuals and, and as a church in, in this moment? Yeah, well, I mean, it, it's, it's hard. You know, it's hard to, to know what to do, and, um, you know, we can give ideas as to what leaders should be doing, but then there's just the people that yeah. are just kind of sitting there going, well, what am I supposed to do, you know, uh, on a daily basis? Um, I think a big question right now is, what do I post? Do I post? Do I not post? You know, there can be some fear around that, and um, I think the, one of the things we have to do next is I think we have to be authentic no matter what we do, and I think that there can be... Um, this idea of let me just say the right things so that nobody will be mad at me. Mm. Um, but you can you can actually post the right things and still quietly be a racist. Yeah. <laughs> you can post the right things and quietly have biases. Mm-hmm. You can post the right things and still be ignorant. So I, I think no matter what, I think we've got to be authentic. Uh, sometimes it's this thing of I have to show the world that I care, and it's like, well, do you actually care? And if you actually care, then just go care, you know, go call someone. Um, I don't think we always have to make it this uh, public relations statement that, right. you know, uh, I, I have a bunch of Caucasian friends that are like, man, all right, I, I'm going to speak up. I'm going to speak up. And then they, you know, Google a Martin Luther King Jr. quote, and they just put that on their Twitter, and they're like, I did it. Okay, I post it. And I'm <laughs> yeah. like, man, like, there's some other things that you could do to, you know, there's other ways to show that you care. So I, I think that that's one thing. Uh, I think the second thing is uh, educating ourselves on really the history of America. I know February is Black History Month, but it's really glossed over. I mean, we kind of watch the I Have a Dream speech, throw in Harriet Tubman and kind of call it a day, you know, but th- it's not like we're we're not doing like a lot of work in um in the month of February. And so uh, I think just to be able to educate ourselves, uh, even on my website, you know, I'm, I'm putting together a list of resources that people can, um, videos they can watch, films, documentaries, uh, books that they can read on just educating themselves on 
the issues, educating themselves on systemic racism, educating themselves on on what has happened over the past 400 years, because you nor I were there. Yeah. <laughs> we're here now, right. and and sometimes we're going, how are we supposed to fix the past if we don't actually even know what the past is and what the effects of of the past um, has on our our future? So I, I think educating ourselves is. Uh, is is a is a big deal, and then uh, the thing that I think that you've done tremendously, um, that I think we all could do even a little bit more, is lend your privilege. And when I say lend your privilege, um, sometimes privilege is kind of a trigger word for someone to go, "What do you mean? I I worked hard for mine, or or whatnot." But I, I like to use the word access. And when you're lending your access to somebody, you're giving them an opportunity to come up. You're giving them an opportunity that they normally wouldn't have had on their own. And so uh, I am a person that has been given a lot of access and a lot of privilege to do things that most African-Americans are never given the opportunity to do. And so I think one of the things that we can be doing um, together is is looking in our world and going, man, who who could I lend some access to that maybe they, they didn't have access to education. There's people that I'm helping start businesses right now. They're just going, I didn't go to business school. I did go to business school. Mm-hmm. I was privileged to be able to get an education and be put in a position to do so, where there's a lot of people that aren't in that position. And so I think people in position that have been given access, I think it's our duty to lend that to, to someone else. You know, growing up in uh, the Chicagoland area, I went to a private school. My parents didn't have a lot of means. Uh, there was a Caucasian family that used to just bring me lunch to the school. They'd take me into their house. Uh, he was uh, a senator in Illinois. He would teach me about politics. He taught me about business. Again, he never posted it on social media. Nobody, like, saw us together. But they invited me in their home and gave me access to information that I never would have had mm-hmm. otherwise. And my parents are great. They just didn't have means and privilege and access. Mm-hmm. But somebody lent me access along the way that allowed me to be who I am right now. And so I, I think whatever we can do to open our homes, open our access to others to say, hey, I, I, want, I want to be constantly looking for how I can be of help to somebody else, I, I think is how we really can move forward. And lastly, I would just say, I think we've got to give each other a lot of grace. We're trying to figure this thing out. Mm-hmm. None of us are doing it perfectly. None of us are perfectly crafting statements. Um, we're trying to be human beings. We're trying to understand. And I think we just got to give each other a lot of grace as we have some of these conversations. And so sometimes it might be awkward. Sometimes it might be uncomfortable. Uh, but I think uh, in this season... Uh, we should be people that do a lot of listening and give each other a lot of grace when we say the wrong thing. Well, that was so helpful. Thank you. And so authenticity, education, yep. access, grace. Yep. And on the education part of it, uh, RyanLeak.com. Yeah, RyanLeak.com. Uh, we also, on our website, we'll have a link to that. And, and we're also putting a guide on, on the website. You'll see how to talk about this with your family, how to educate yourself further, yeah. how to talk about this as a group. And we will link to the resources that Ryan has on his website as well. That's so important right now to be having those conversations. Access, too. So we're going to be working that. And we already actually do a number of things as a church to help provide access for people who don't have a lot of that. But we're going to up our game on that significantly over the months ahead. So you'll you'll be um, hearing about that. 
And um, in fact, it's pretty cool. It'll be a different kind of church a year from now than we are now. And I'm, well, I'm excited about that. Yeah. Um, and so we'll just keep we'll keep working it. Yeah. And another thing we're asking everybody to do, you'll hear more about this later. So I'll just mention it. It's hashtag unity table. And it's just it's encouraging us to uh, have uh, every fifth Sunday. You'll be we'll be hearing about it. All Collin County churches or a bunch of Collin County churches are committed to do this. Um, they will just say, hey, this is this is the week that uh, you need to reach out to somebody who's different than you, have them over for dinner, take them out to dinner. And there's a little guide for conversations because yeah. friendship breaks down stereotypes and racism Absolutely. as much as anything. And yep. so uh, there'll be a number of things that we're going to that we're going to be doing in this time period. And as we move from lament to repentance and then to action and God's at work. He is. And changes in the air. I believe that. And uh, and so, Ryan, we didn't plan this, but it just feels right yeah. um, at the end of this sermon if you would yeah. pray us out. Absolutely. God, I thank you so much for the opportunity we have to be Christ-like in the midst of uh, the climate that we live in. God, I pray that we would seize the opportunity that we have right now to bring about healing and hope in our world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you so much. You're welcome. And thank you.